Good morning, church. Turn to your neighbor and greet them. Good morning. Give your neighbor a handshake. Say good morning. Give your other neighbor a handshake. Say good morning. Give the neighbor behind of you a handshake. Say good morning. Give the neighbor in front of you a handshake. Say good morning. And greet the viewers all over the world on Emmanuel TV. Good morning. Now, turn to your neighbor and greet them. Merry Christmas. Give your neighbor a handshake. Say Merry Christmas. Give your other neighbor a handshake. Say Merry Christmas. Give the neighbor behind you a handshake. Say Merry Christmas. Give the neighbor in front of you a handshake. Say Merry Christmas. And greet the viewers all over the world on Emmanuel TV. Merry Christmas. And a Happy New Year in advance. Glory be to God. You're all welcome to the presence of God in Jesus' name. And right now you may have your seats. My name is Brother Chris. By the grace of God, I'm from the UK. And I thank God for the wonderful privilege and honor it is to be here in your midst today. And I thank God for the life of his servant, Prophet T.B. Joshua, who God used to mentor me, to guide me, to be in your midst this morning to proclaim the wonderful news of our Lord Jesus Christ. Thank you, Jesus. Now, it's just two days to Christmas. Tell your neighbor, Merry Christmas. <laughs> and I, like I mentioned before, I'm from UK, and in UK, we take Christmas very seriously. It's a serious issue. Unfortunately, we don't take Christ very seriously. I wish we would take Christ as seriously as we take Christmas. But nevertheless, Christmas, we take it very seriously in the UK. And I believe around the world, you know, different cultures, customs, communities, we have our way of celebrating Christmas. But in UK, we have many traditions and ceremonies attached to Christmas. So I just want to share with you a very quick story. This is a true story, a Christmas story, all right, just to set the tone for today's message. Now, one of the traditions of Christmas in the UK is that we have nativity plays. You know, you know what I mean by that? You, you, in your school, the children will reenact the story of Jesus when Jesus was born. It's called the nativity play. And every year, without fail, your school must hold that nativity play where they, you know, they have Mary and Joseph and the baby Jesus. They go to the inn. They say there's no room in the inn. They are taken finally to this manger, the stable. He gives birth. She gives birth to the baby Jesus. You know, we all know the story of Christmas. We all know the story of Jesus. So now picture this. This was a nativity play that I attended. This is little children, young children. So it gets to the part of the story where the shepherds and the wise men come to see Jesus at the, the manger when he's just being born. I, I, you, you guys know this story very well, right? I want to hear, you know this story well. Good, so I don't need to repeat to you the details of the story. So it gets to that part where the wise men, the three wise men who have traveled thousands of miles to come and honor Jesus who has just been born, they come to present their gifts. So just picture this, all right? The three, three little kids are the three wise men dressed in their robes and regalia to show that they're wise men. The first one walks forward says, we are wise men. 
to see Jesus. Here is the gift of gold. <laughs> Drops the gold. Okay? Walks back. The second wise man comes forward. And myrrh. <laughs> Drops it. Walks back. The third wise man, the little boy, walks forward. And he forgets his line. I don't know if you've ever been in that moment. It's very painful. You know, the, 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 the family, the parents, everyone is there watching. And the little boy just forgot his line. Everyone was trying to will on, remember, remember. Trying to get him to remember the line. The boy, yeah. the boy was worried. He was scared. Everyone was, was tense. In Nigeria, we would say, wahala don't come. Wahala don't come. That, that is the situation. Everyone was tense, worried. What's going to happen? Suddenly, the little boy remembered. With a smile, he walks forward and says, and Frank sent this. <laughs> Are you with me? He walked forward. He forgot the line he said, and Frank sent this. Instead of frankincense. Later on, when you watch it on Emmanuel TV, you, you'll get the joke. You'll get the joke a little bit better. Now, I'm trying to just set the scene for today's message, the Christmas message. But on a more serious note, today we so often celebrate the tradition and the ceremony of Christmas. And our focus is more on the, the story of the baby Jesus, the story of the Christ of history, story of the Christ, you know, the song, the, the Christmas carols, and we easily overlook the reason for Christmas. So I want to encourage you today, don't get so carried away by the ceremony of Christmas that you forget the reason for Christmas. We should never allow the tradition of Christmas to overshadow our relationship with Jesus because Jesus is the center of Christmas. Tell your neighbor, say neighbor. neighbor. Say neighbor. neighbor. Jesus, Jesus is the center of Christmas. Jesus is the center of Christmas. Look, without Jesus, there would be no Christmas. So viewers around the world, people of God, today we want to celebrate Jesus. Celebrate Jesus at Christmas, not the, the, just the baby Jesus, or the Christ of history, of story, of song, the one we sing about in the Christmas carols. We want to celebrate Jesus Christ revealed by the Holy Spirit. And this will bring us to the title of today's message, O Come, Let Us Adore Him. Tell your neighbor, say neighbor. neighbor. Christmas is all about Jesus. Say Christmas is all about Jesus. Now, you may have observed that the title of today's message comes from a very well-known Christmas carol. You know the song, Oh, Come, Let Us Adore Him? I'm not hearing you. Do you know it? All right, because we're going to sing it right now. All right, let's give it a go. A preparation before the Christmas carol tomorrow. For those of you who don't know, tomorrow, Emmanuel TV will be broadcasting live from Bethlehem. Live from Bethlehem. The Christmas Carol. So, let's just set the scene right now. Are you with me? Let's go. Oh, come let us adore Oh, come let us
your hands together for yourselves. Put your hands together. Let's just try this right. Men first. Men first. All the men, are you ready? Are the, all the men, are you ready? Okay, let's go. Oh, come let us. There you go, the men. Keep going. Oh, come let us. Beautiful. Oh, come let us adore Him, Christ. All right, the women now, the females, the females, let's go. Well done, you may have your seats in the presence of God. I love the simple melody and the simple words, the simple truth of that carol. Oh, come, let us adore him. Because it's all about Jesus. Today, the world has tried to commercialize Christmas. They wanna turn it to be about shopping and to be about food and fun and just festivities. But yes, Christmas is about those things, but more importantly, it's about Jesus. It's not about you, it's not about us, it's all about Him. Unfortunately, many people, when they sing that carol, in their hearts there's a different song. Some hearts are singing, Oh, come, let us adore me. Oh, come, let us adore me. Oh, come, let us adore me. Chris the Lord. Why? Because they're, they're so focused on themselves. Christmas to them is all about how they can enjoy the flesh Enjoy the material things of this world. So once again, brethren, I want to redirect your focus to who Christmas is all about. It's all about Jesus. If there was ever a time to celebrate and to acknowledge and to revisit the love of God for us, this is the time. So turn with me in your Bibles to the book of 1 John, chapter 4. 1 John chapter 4. We just want to use this Christmas season as an opportunity to remind ourselves of how much Jesus loves us. 1 John chapter 4 verse 9, and it says, This is how God showed his love among us. He sent his one and only Son into the world that we might live through him. Verse 10. This is love, not that we love God, but that he loved us and sent his son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. Dear friends, since God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. Now, in today's world, in, in our generation today, if you look at the crisis, the trouble, the turmoil going on in the world, many people ask themselves the questions, does God really love me? And that's one of Satan's tactics. One of Satan's tactics is to try and get you to doubt God's love and God's goodness. You begin to say that, all oh, the trouble going on in the world, the evil happening, 
the, the terrible things that are taking place. You just look around you. There's so much trouble. There's, there's political trouble. There's economic trouble. There's religious trouble. I mean, ooh, the world is full of trouble. And because of that, many hearts have grown cold to Jesus. Many, many hearts have grown cold. Many people's love has grown cold. Their hearts have been hardened. They become cynical, skeptical when it comes to Jesus or the things of God. You live, let me live. I live my life, you live my life. Because what, look at what's happening in the world. Where is God in the midst of this? Where is God in the midst of the sorrow? Where is God in the midst of the trouble? Where is God in the midst of the trials? So viewers, I want to encourage you today and challenge you today. I don't know what situation you may be facing that may be causing you to doubt God's love. Perhaps you're, you're facing relentless troubles, hurtful, hard times. Perhaps you're facing hatred, hunger, or homelessness. Perhaps it's painful persecution. You may be facing betrayal by your, your friends, your family, or worse yet, your own awful sin. But one thing I do know, one thing I am assured of, there is nothing not one thing that is evil enough, that is ugly enough, that is deep enough, that is powerful enough to stop God from loving you. Nothing, nothing anyone could do to you could possibly sever that connection, could damn the unstoppable, undeniable, unconditional love of God. You can ignore God, you can reject him, you can slander him, but his love for you remains constant and unchanging. No matter how many times we fail, God's love never does. No matter how many times we fall, God's love never does. No matter how many times we falter, God's love never does. Well did Apostle Paul say, you know that scripture? He said, look, I am convinced that neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither the past nor the present, neither heights nor depths, nothing in this world can separate me from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus, my Lord. Tell your neighbor, say neighbor. neighbor. Say neighbor. neighbor. Say neighbor. neighbor. God loves you as much as he does any of his children. He loves you. Some of us begin to say, oh, maybe God shows partiality. This guy, he loves him more than me. He's showing favoritism. No, the father has no favorites. There's no lucky ones in the Lord, no pets of divinity. He loves us. And some people may be saying, well, why? why? How, how can we reconcile the two, the troubles and turmoil in the world and a loving, good God? Well, I want to assure you, brethren, God has not, he has not left us. He has not abandoned us. He has not closed the door on us. We are the ones that have left him. God, God has not left us. He's with us. Emmanuel, God is with us. That's our greeting in the synagogue church of all nations. The question is, are you with him? Because we easily stray from God and then question him when our lives begin to go up and down. 
So once again, brethren, this Christmas season is an opportunity for you to realize how much God loves you. God so loved the world that he gave his only son. Prophet T.B. Joshua explains it like this. He says, God has a son and he planted him in the earth to produce a family. Today, millions are born again because of his best seed. That's why we're here today in the presence of God, celebrating his birth. Millions are born again because of his best seed. God gave us his best at Christmas. Love was born at Christmas. And when you celebrate the birth of Jesus at Christmas, you are celebrating his love, his joy, his faithfulness, his goodness, his forgiveness. But remember, by his love, we love. In his love, we have a newness of life. Through his love, we become a new man. Jesus came to restore that relationship and fellowship between God and man. That's why he came. So I want to challenge you today, and that's, this is a two-pronged message. It's both a reminder of how much God loves you, and it's a challenge to ask yourself, how much do you love him? What is your relationship with him like? Because the main thing of, about Christianity, the main thing about Christianity is not the work we do, it's not the services we attend, the prayers we pray, the tithes we drop, the offerings we drop. I'm not saying they're not part of Christianity, they're all good, but that's not the main thing. The main thing about Christianity is not the work we do, but the relationship we maintain and the atmosphere produced by that relationship. This means that nothing is more important than our relationship with Jesus. Tell your neighbor, say neighbor. Say neighbor. Nothing is more important than my relationship with Jesus. So ask yourself today, is there anything in your life that is more important than Jesus? Just challenge yourself. Is there anything in my life that is more important than Jesus. Because remember, when Jesus was asked in that book of Matthew 22, verse 37, he was asked, what is the greatest commandment? And Jesus responded, he said, love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your mind, all your soul, and all your strength. Love God above all. That's the summary of the scriptures. Love him above all. So this Christmas, challenge yourself. As you go about celebrating the birth of Jesus, ask yourself, do you love God above all? Or is he just one of those things that is important to you? Because God belongs as the only reason, not just one of those things. Now, I'm, I'm going to try and... Very, very simply do an example to practicalize this. So let, let me get four volunteers. I'll get one volunteer from here. Any one volunteer? People are a bit afraid now. Any one volunteer? You can just come, come forward. One volunteer. All right, sir. Thank you very much. So, sir, you come and stand here. All right. I need one volunteer from here. Ah, oh, our brother is instantly ready. Okay, you stand here. I need another volunteer from here. 
If God puts it in your heart, just come out. Brilliant. That's three. Okay, one more from here. One more from here. Okay, you can just come out. Just come out. Wonderful. Let me, let me join you outside. All right, let's come together, guys. Let's come together. There's only, only male volunteers today. Only male volunteers. I wonder why. Let's come together. Come, sir. All right, so this is a very, very simple, very, very simple example, and I want you to, to question yourself. You, sir, congratulations. You are going to represent God. Thank you, Jesus. Well, God is thanking Jesus. Wonderful. <laughs> Our brother is going to represent God. It's a wonderful role, okay? You, sir, it's still, it's still a good role, but not quite up to God. You're going to represent Mr. Money. You are Mr. Money, okay? Okay. Okay, wonderful. Here is Mr. Money, okay? Money. You, sir, are going to represent Mr. Social Relations. Friends, family, well wishes, etc. You, sir, are going to represent Mr. Position. So we have God. We have Mr. Money. We have Mr. Social Relations. And we have Mr. Position. Are you with me, people of God? I'm not hearing you. Are you with me, people of God? Okay, so come, sir. First of all, I want to show you how a Christian life should look like. All right? God is not one of these things. He's, you can't compare him to position. You can't compare him to friends or family. You can't compare him to money. God is not one of these things. God belongs as the only thing, the only reason. Jesus is the way, not a way. Okay? So now, in my journey through life, let's just say I meet Mr. Money here, and Mr. Money offers me uh, some investment advice. Just, so just t t tell me about a proposal that will involve money. I want to give you 10 million US dollars. What are you going to do with it? Wow. Oh, no. Thank you, Jesus. 10 million? This is awesome. Now, as a Christian, do you know what I'm supposed to do? Immediately I hear from Mr. Money. What do I do? I go back to God and confirm from him the step to take. Because you just hear the money, 10 million. But God is concerned at the source. Does that money come from stealing? Does that money come from corruption? Is that money blood money? If I take it and it comes from stealing, I will use it for stealing. Whatever comes from stealing goes to stealing. Whatever comes from corruption goes to corruption. Whatever comes from blood goes to blood. Are you with me? So what do I do? As a Christian, I am meant to love God above all. The meaning of this is love nothing in comparison of God, but everything in reference to God. So my brother offers me $10 million. Wonderful. What do I do? I go back to God. What does God say? What is God's opinion? What is his will? What is his will in this matter? And there will be guidance. There will be direction. And you won't make a mistake. I go to my brother here, Mr. Social Relations. Just invite me to a, a party, sir. Je veux lui envoyer toutes les sortes des amis. Les amis de colère, les amis qui l'aiment beaucoup et les amis qui ne veulent pas de lui. So I will ah. send him all kind of friends. Friends from his uh, family, his friends from outside, from 
everywhere. Oh, merci. So, <laughs> wonderful. This is a multilingual example here. Praise God. So, my friend is inviting me. He said there's a party which has lots of these friends. My family will be there. As a Christian, what am I supposed to do? Nothing in comparison of God, everything in reference to God. What does God say? This party, is it a place where Jesus will be welcomed? The activities there, are they in line with God? Are they going to be serving and selling things that contradict my faith? If I go there, am I going to be exposed to things that will pollute my spirit? Carry God along. That's a Christian. Are you going to miss the position? Sir, you can just offer me a position. I'm offering you the CEO position of a multinational company. Wow. CEO. Look, don't get carried away. Don't begin to say, yes, sir, instantly. I'll be there tomorrow, sir. What do you do as a Christian? You go to God. What does God say? What is His will? What is His opinion? Nothing in comparison of God. Everything in reference to Him. That is a Christian who loves God above all. But <laughs> many of us today... Come, sir. <laughs> Many of us today, you know the problem we have? Just, just stand here. The problem we have today is that we see God as one of those things. Yeah, I have my money is important to me. Yeah, my friends, family are important to me. Yeah, my job, my position, God too is important to me. No! How can you equate God, the creator, with the created? How can you begin to put God at the same level with these material possessions? But this is what many of us do. By the time my brother here offers me that $10 million, I'll seek some advice. I'll say, oh God, God, what do you want to say about the $10 million? It's nothing before me. God says there's nothing before him. He's saying that, look, don't be too in a haste to rush in and take that money. But I'll say, look, before I just listen to God, let me ask position. Maybe Mr. Position has something to say. What do you want to say about the $10 million? It's good money. Good money. You begin to say, oh, oh, this is difficult. God is saying maybe I shouldn't go, but look, position is saying it's good. My friends, my family, yeah, they're going to agree. $10 million, they'll enjoy from that. Money, of course, is offering it to me. You begin to have confusion, conflict, because you have equated God with the created. Tell your neighbor, check yourself. Tell your neighbor, check yourself. Now, this is not even the worst part of it. Do you know the worst part of it? Many of us today have not only put God as one of those things, we have actually picked another God. Come, sir. Come. Some of us have put Mr. Money in the position of God. Today, God, you know Christmas is a time to give, a time to love, a time to share. God may speak to your heart and tell you to go and help someone. Go and take care of an orphan. Just tell me to go and look after someone, sir. Go and look out after someone for me and take care of him. Now, God has spoken to your heart. There's that orphan. There's a homeless child. Go and look after them. But do you know what many of us do? Mm. Let me quickly check with money. Let me ask Mr. Money first. What's he going to say? Please get the money. And um, I want you to quit Christianity. 
Well, money even wants me to quit Christianity. Crazy. But in this case, money can never advise you to start helping people without an instant gain. Money will want to see you put something in, get something out. You can't just go and help someone with no one there to, to give you back. The principles of money don't permit that. God is the one that will cause you and ask you to sow to the spirits. You help someone without any return, you sow to the spirits, you reap peace of hearts. But money will say, no, how can you waste your money on that? There's investments here, there's investments there. We have now put money, position, friends in the place of God. We do everything in reference to money, everything. God may say, go here. You say, let me quickly confirm from my family. My family says, don't do it. I say, God, sorry. My family said, I cannot go. You put your family above God. You put, I'm, not saying, I'm not saying you should not love your family. I'm not saying we don't need money. I'm not saying there's no good position. I'm talking of what is your priority? What is number one in your life? God gave his best for you at Christmas. Have you given your best to him? Because, let, let, let me round up this example, come sir. Do you know one thing? Sooner or later, you will realize this truth. Money can fail you. What you've invested for years can be gone in seconds. Friends, family, they can fail you. The person that's smiling at your front today and stab you in the back tomorrow. Your, your family, they can, look, tomorrow, the person you love, they can die, they can leave you tomorrow. They can fail you. Position can fail you. You have seen people who have been at the top today. Tomorrow, they are at the bottom. Only Jesus will never fail you. you then compare him to this, compare him to this, compare him to this. Oh my God. What's going on? Put your trust in money, in man, in material, you are doomed to disappointments. Put your trust in Jesus. You will never be confounded in time or eternity. He is Alpha and Omega beginning and end, first and last. The I am that I am, he's God, creator. And do you know one thing about God? Let, let me tell you a truth about God. As you are busy trying to please money, trying to please man, trying to woo sympathy to gain position, God is just looking at you. Because Prophet TV Joshua says, Jesus is a Democrat. He does not impose himself on anyone. He, he will not force you to follow him. He'll not beg you to believe in him. He'll not force you to serve him. He'll, he'll wait. By the time you have exhausted your worldly advantages, you've tried money, it failed you. You tried man, they've disappointed you. You've tried position, you still don't have peace. By the time you've exhausted your worldly advantages, you'll come back to God. And at that time, you will value him and put him where he belongs. Put him as number one, the first place. And I pray you won't have gray hairs by the time you do that. Because many of us are wasting so much time on Mr. Money, 
trying to please Mr. Money, woo Mr. Money, get Mr. Money's attention. I'm not saying that money is no good. If this man gives me 10 million and I go to God and God sees that it's clean and clear, it's a blessing from him, go ahead. Thank you, Jesus. I'm talking about what is first in your life. Today, if many of us received a call that $10 million is waiting, you'd quickly tell the usher, I'm going to the toilets. From the toilets, you're gone. Tell your neighbor, say, neighbor, this Christmas, love God above all. Oh, come, let us adore him. All right, thank you very much to my wonderful actors. You can come and take an altar of fruits. Come and take an altar of fruits so we can, we can move on to a new life. Mr. Money will now give his life completely to Jesus. Mr. Position, Mr. Wow. This is altar fruits. But because he's God, we cannot query him. He, he should go ahead. All right. We can't query him. Now, brethren, this is what Jesus meant in Matthew 6, verse 33, when Jesus said, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and then everything else will be added unto you. Today, we want to seek everything else, expect the kingdom to follow. But Jesus said, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and then everything else will be added unto you. Today, so many of us want to see Jesus, but we're not prepared to seek him. We want to see him, but we're not ready to seek him. We want to see his miracles, but we're not ready to seek his ways. We want to see his power. We're not ready to seek his character. We want to see him, but we're not prepared to seek him. And wise men still seek Jesus. Wise women still seek Jesus. Just as it was in the time of Jesus when he was born and the wise men came. In our generation, wise men still seek Jesus. If you, if you just come to church today and you're just here for a miracle, God, give me a miracle. Give me a blessing. I want to advise you this Christmas. Stop seeking a miracle. Start seeking Jesus and the miracle will come. You know that God wants the best for you. Christmas demonstrated that. He wants the best for you. Why can't you trust him? Put him first. And he will give you what's best for you in his time, in his way, for his glory. Let's, let's, let's round up this message, coming to a conclusion. If you want your ministry to be strong, your relationship with God must be strong. Ministry, I'm not just talking about those in the church, pastors or evangelists or those in the vineyard, no. As a Christian, whatever you do through God is your calling, your ministry. Your profession as a Christian flows from your relationship with Jesus. So whatever you do, you want, you want, you want your career to prosper? If you want your career to prosper, your relationship with God must prosper. If you want your marriage to be strong, your relationship with God must be strong. You want your business to be great, your relationship with God must be great. 
If you want this Christmas to be a merry Christmas, your relationship with God must be merry. You leaders, people in authority and position, you want your, your nation to be great. Your relationship with God must be great. Your great love for God will make you great. Because whatever we do for God is a reflection of our relationship with God. And it's all about Jesus. So brethren, stop, stop talking about your limited education and start loving Jesus. Stop complaining that everyone in my family is poor. Start loving Jesus. Stop repeating stories of those who have failed you in the past and start loving Jesus. Stop pointing fingers at the economy of your nation, the politics of your nation, the, the president. Stop pointing fingers and start loving Jesus. Stop meditating on your flaws, your weaknesses, your failures, your frailties, and start loving Jesus. Your great love for God will make you great. For if the love of Christ is in our hearts, the world is under our feet, and the sky is our limit. Our love for Christ will produce this virtue, and Christ's love for us will produce this effect upon us. So brethren, this Christmas, love God above all, and may God bless his word in the midst of our hearts, in Jesus' name.